Hi, welcome back. And for those of you that have been following the Facebook announcements, you'll know that we actually did a Facebook Live video yesterday at 3 o'clock, just like we said we would. And, and it was happened? and it was a great chat. I loved it. It was really good. So and it was magical. We we hung around online for about forty five minutes, fifty minutes, and we chatted. We had some great back and forth with people, and and then something. And then well, you know what happened? So Facebook had a freeze frame, and the thumbnail was you like looking normal, and then me looking not so normal. You can't my, have that can't have that so I closed my eyes and that was the freeze frame that Facebook chose to use and so I thought okay that's fine I can go in and I can edit the freeze frame and um, yeah you know what's really great it's really great to realize that a company with a multi-million dollar multi-billion dollar budget has a really awful user interface because uh, I just wanted to exit out and I guess I hit cancel and that deleted the video and well there went the Facebook live so here we are talking there's nobody who's joined us yet we're two minutes in but I don't take offense to that do you take offense to that no it's it happens it's uh, we'll do we'll talk about the same things we did before yep. we might not have as much sort of user feedback but um, really this is about talking about our favorite mystery games mm -hmm. and and what we love about them that we're bringing to the Lily Bard project. And yeah, and you know what? It was a lot of fun. So we we both have our coffee. That quiet for those of you who listen to this on the podcast was us slurping the coffee. And so we're just we we have a little agenda that we're going to talk about stuff. And so Blair, you have been reading not just Shakespeare's Landlord. But you've also been reading Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's Champion. Champion. And what can you tell us about Shakespeare's Champion and how does it relate to Shakespeare's Landlord? I really like it. I'm, I love Shakespeare's Landlord, but I'm really looking forward to adapting Shakespeare's Champion. Mm -hmm. There's, I think it's a broader scope of topics and events that happens in that story. There's some really exciting stuff that I'm looking forward to. Can you hint at that? I mean... Is it would it be a terrible spoiler to it mention? would be yeah I think it okay. would be yeah just for some some of the really big events and stuff like that but uh, what's also great is to see the characters develop and and all of the work that we're doing for Shakespeare's landlord is going to go forward for Shakespeare's champion and beyond and it's that's kind of exciting and we get to fit some of those later characters into our game which is kind of cool now i i have uh i actually read the first three novels about a year and a half ago when we first approached charlene to get the rights for the novels and you've been you've read through them or you're you're reading through shakespeare's champion you've already read through shakespeare's landlord mm -hmm. how many times have you read shakespeare's landlord now oh gosh maybe five or six times yeah, yeah so that's like the layer of complexity that we're looking for in terms of like diving deep and and figuring out uh details about like characters and locations and things like that so well, and this is the thing i have to write up for charlaine is to say you know the player is going to be Lily Bard, so you will get to make choices that Lily didn't necessarily make in the stories, but Shakespeare, the city, the town, and the characters should respond authentically to 
Charlene's novel. And that was one of the things that we touched on briefly yesterday was the idea that, you know, in the book, it's not always from Lily's perspective. So sometimes you have Claude Friedrich, the detective, yep. and he's going around interviewing people. So we as a player, we need access to that information to put all the pieces together. And so how do we get that but still have it be authentic to Lily's perspective? Yeah. So that's that's part of our challenge narratively is to figure out how do we incorporate other people's perspectives as Lily's experience because she's fairly withdrawn and she's careful. She's 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 very careful. Yeah. She for those of you that had not read the book yet, she had um, she had a very awful thing happen to her while she was living in Memphis and it has scarred her and she just wants to lay low. Like she doesn't want people to know about her background and her experiences. And so as a result, she hasn't really made a lot of friends. I was listening to the Audible again last night and Marshall, who becomes a good friend, I'm not going to, I won't spoil it for you, a good friend, Marshall says to her, Lily, do you have, like, outside of cleaning and outside of the, um, the martial arts, do you have friends? And it's pretty safe to say that Lily isn't very friendly okay. or approachable. So how do we, how do we glean that information from other characters, you know, using gossip and, um, yeah, so, so that's important. Now, I do note that there is a lawnmower going off, so Blair, would you mind closing the kitchen window? Yeah. That is just what happens during a live broadcast, and... So Blair's been listening to that. We're both big fans of reading the... We actually have Charlene's books on in paperback. We also have them on Audible, and we also have them in ebook. So we have bought the same book three different ways, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. So thanks, Blair. So we have... We're, we're going to be... By the time we get through the end of July, we'll have read all of the series because we have... Uh, I'm hoping end of June I'll have read most of them. Yeah, so. yeah, on the end of June. I can't believe it's June already. So by the end of June, we'll be able to make sure that Shakespeare's landlord is as accurate as possible, not only just from straight from the text, but drawing on some of the other foreshadowing and other things that are happening yeah, in the series. Yeah, we get to play around with that, yeah. which is great for the games. Yeah. So what else did we do this week? We we met with Anthony, our the artist. artist, yeah. And so that was kind of cool. And Anthony had, I had initially asked him, you know, I gave him about six or seven different actresses in which I asked him, listen, this is what I think Lily Bard would look like. And he came back and he brought me a drawing. And I just ultimately decided that those, um, that Lily just looked a little too young. She looked a little like Ellen Page. And I think Blair and I were in agreement that Lily needs to look a little bit more hardened. See, it is still early because we needed to get some more coffee, so good job, Blair. So we've actually, we're scrapping that particular character sketch. And it looks awesome. It, it, it does it's look amazing. awesome. It yeah. has, it's not a reflection of Anthony's talent at all. It's a reflection of, I just didn't feel like it was Lily Bard enough. And so I typed in, I Googled, believe it or not, I Googled uh, badass women actors. And that was the Google, and sure enough... Okay, Wonder Woman. 
Well, we're gonna go see Wonder Woman later today. I hope. Yeah. I really would love to see Wonder Woman, and I love I love seeing these great novels with great strong female characters, and. But when I googled badass female actresses, I got Mila Jovovich. Jovovich. Didn't we have this conversation yesterday? Is it Jovovich? Jovovich. Jovovich. Okay, so Jovovich. It's because Jovanka pronounces it with a hard J. Another friend of ours. Uh, yes. So Mila Jovovich in the Resident e Evil series. She she's she's buff. So that's Lily. Lily does a lot of martial arts. She's got short hair. She kind of has like that that tired but determined look about her. And I was really quite pumped to, I was like, yes, I finally found her. And the only reason I didn't find her last time is because I was Googling blonde actresses. Yeah, instead of going for, okay. yeah, I was, I was, I had fixation on the blonde hair. And even though Mila's pictures are all with her brunette, I was like, I could totally see her as a blonde, but sometimes it takes a little bit to, to switch your perspective on that. Yeah. So we've started the process of sketching out the three major characters. So it's Lily and Marshall and Claude or Claude. And so that's the most important thing. And what else have we been working on this week? Um, maps of the location. So we're really breaking down Shakespeare Garden Apartments, which of course is the landlord in Shakespeare's landlord. That's where, where they all live. There yeah. are eight apartments in this building that Lily lives next to. Mm -hmm. And they all have very similar uh, apartments, but they're just mirrored and flipped around. And then what we get to do as designers is, is make them into personal spaces. We get to play like dollhouse with all of these, you know, with all these different characters. Yeah, I mean, like for example, so we, we have the floor plan and, you know, as you go through the text and you read it more and more carefully, you can figure out, you know, who's in the, so it's four apartments on each floor. You can figure out who's in the back, who's in the front, and, and what, um, how they all relate to each other, the relation of the apartments. And, like, for example, Mrs. Hofstetter's apartment is going to have a formal dining set because she, she's 85 years old. I said 82 yesterday. 85. So, see, I remember. And so she's 85 years old. So maybe in the set decoration, as we're creating her environment, there's going to be some doilies and maybe some plastic covering over her couch. I don't know. Something that an 85-year-old woman in 1996 would have in her apartment. And it's, it's really, I think it's really important to capture the feel of each of those characters in their set, yeah. in their environment. So we did that. Tell us uh, about your inspiration for Shakespeare itself. Oh, so we, uh, I just was reading through the book and trying to do some research and figure out sort of what towns in Arkansas would be there for us to, you know, use as a model, you know, this sleepy Shakes, uh, Arkansas town. And I found it in Prescott, Arkansas, Okay, which is an hour and a half. Because she even says, yeah, um, it takes an hour and a half to drive from Shakespeare to Little Rock. Yes. So I mean, and it doesn't have to be like that, obviously. Well, but... and I, I remember her because Marshall was going to take her out for dinner, and they were going to go to Montrose. So yeah. is there a Montrose, Arkansas? I couldn't really see one that was similar. Okay. There might be. There might be one or two. Okay. Um, I'll look at that next time. Okay. 
But, uh, and that actually plays into the place where they're going to go to dinner, plays into Shakespeare's Champion as well. I won't give anything away there. But Wow, uh, see, it's been a year and a half, and so I feel like I need to go back and, and reread that. So, and Shakespeare's Christmas is not even set really in Shakespeare, but it has Lily, and it's a really interesting story, and it, it, it's so different from the other stuff. It's a, it's a fascinating read. It's I'm a, looking forward to it's it. It's a fascinating read. So we mostly wanted to jump on today and, and sort of give you guys the recap of what we've been working on this week. We also made a decision with the, the help of Anthony, the artist, uh, to not show you guys any of the developmental art that we're doing because we want to show you the finished product. Now, there was part of me that really, really, really wanted to show and, and I think Blair as well, we yeah. wanted to show you the progression. So what we're going to do actually is we're going to set up a different series of podcasts. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to set that up on a Patreon, which is, those are like the behind the scenes. That's for people who, I don't know, it's, um, it's kind of like showing you guys the secret sauce, which I really wanted to do. But we're going to do, that, do, in a more, that. We're we're still, do that in a more, we're going to do a lot of that. We're going to do that, but we're going to do that in a more private environment. And, um, yeah, so when we get Lily's character nailed as a character sketch, we can't wait to show it to you, but that'll be a couple of weeks out Because then we now. get to put expressions on it as well. You yeah, know, that's gonna be yeah. Fun. So, but you, I think you guys will be really excited about the characters that are coming to life. And so, Blair, why are we, why are we even doing all of this? Why are we doing all of this? Yes, why are we making a mystery game? Oh, um, well, I mean, we're big mystery fans, right? Don't mm -hmm. you find? I mean, we're trying to... We're murder nerds. Murder nerds. Oh, that sounds awful. It does. It <laughs> does. But it's true. We are we are total mur mur murder nerds. Murders. Murders. Murder no, no, no. Okay. I, I tried. Mystery junkies. <laughs> Mystery junkies. Okay. I mean, it was great when we met Charlene to go to BoucherCon. Mm -hmm. That was really great. And, and we get to see her, you know, at BoucherCon 2017 is in Toronto. Yes. And for those of you that are listening, if you would like an opportunity to meet Charlene or come to our launch party, you'll want to make sure that you go to lilybard.com and sign up, the, sign up to the email list because we're going to have contests this summer. And you may win uh, VIP tickets to the Lily Bard launch party, and you'll get to meet Charlene, and maybe bring us? some of your books. Yeah, you'll get to meet us and Charlene, right? Hi, Jennifer. So, Thanks for joining us. Yes. <laughs> and so, so you'll want to do that, and you'll, you'll definitely want to do that. We are we are murder nerds. We are mystery junkies, and we watch a lot of like if you, uh, Jennifer, we oh. Okay, so Jennifer, while, while we have you here, why don't you tell us what are some of your favorite mystery books or, or mystery uh, games, games or, series. or TV series, anything yeah. that's got a, a really good hook to it, uh, we'd love for you to chime in. So Blair was holding up a copy of Clue. The limited gift edition. I think yes. we did this for the 50th anniversary. Yes, so we absolutely love Clue. I love, love, love Clue. In about 1997, I think it was 97, 98, yeah. Blair and I played Clue, the board game, uh, and then we, we got the, the computer disc version of the game, and we were just playing it by ourselves. 
But then uh, Hasbro had the serial thing where they were giving out CDs of various games, and Clue was one of them. Yes. So we went online and we started playing what's called the MSN Zone. I don't even think it's still around anymore. It's yeah. it's long gone, and uh, so we played. But it allowed you to play online with other people. And you could play competitively. You could play Clue competitively. And Blair and I were really good at it. We had developed like this tracking page where you would sit there and you'd be like, okay, well, I know it can't be that because I have that. And if it passed this person, that means that person doesn't have this. But in, what was the fun thing is that we did it together. Yeah. We were a team figuring out stuff. And we were... I think that's what I love watching mysteries with you so much is that we get to, you know, we're trying to solve it together. Yeah. Which is, I think, what I hope we can do with our games as well is that families can sort of play along and and figure out and come up with ideas about who done it. Well, and and I've heard that from some of the people that play our games is they they were surprised at how much they liked playing it with their kids. So, uh, Hard Vacuum Lullaby is a really great 30-minute space adventure game and it's fun. You know, there there's reading involved and then there's decision points that you have to make. So I, I love that people play our, our games, not just by themselves, but with other people. So when you Jim, played Clue, yes. you were on the mouse and you were typing away. And then and, you would be on the on And the I'd sheets. have all the recordings and stuff. And so and it was like two brains playing one character. And we were actually number one in the world of the 200 people that played online. <laughs> in that and, system, yes. Yes, in that system. I would love to see another Clue system done. But why can't we play the board game anymore? Because I'm a bad loser and a bad winner. <laughs> well, I'm like, yeah, I won! Or, I can't believe you guessed that. For so. every other game, she's fine, excepting Clue. I don't know what it is, folks. It's just... So I would play with you, but only to make you lose. <laughs> I love you too, dear. I love you too. Well, it's because it's we know each other, right? Yes. And so that's, yes. But you literally have said at the table, uh, why did you ask that? That's a stupid guess. I, I, I've only done that twice. <laughs> I think I would be better now. We played that game, Mysteri Mysterium. Well, that's the other one, uh, Mysterium. There's another one I really love, Mystery Express. That's kind of cool. Which is sort of uber clue, if you really want to think it that way. Yes, it was. I found that a lot more complex. and Very challenging. Yeah, it wasn't... Like, but it lets your skills sort of go, right? It, it's a more even playing field, let's I think put so. it that way. Yeah. So. And also, it's a nod to Murder on the Orient Express, which is coming out as a movie uh, in November. So kind of if, you're, if you're an Agatha Christie fan, let us know. Do you know who the body is? No, who is the body? I think Johnny Depp. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's the obnoxious person who has All to right. die. So we have Jennifer <laughs> McIntosh saying she loves Law & Order SUV. No, SVU. <laughs> You're making fun of me from yesterday, I know. And I I love those procedural, police procedural TV shows. Yeah. We haven't had cable in four years, so we tend to like binge watch stuff when it's on Netflix. We've been watching a lot of European series. Uh, Trapped is a great Icelandic murder mystery. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's, um, I almost don't even want to say what's going on, but there's a body that shows up floating in the water and a fairy has just come in. So they quarantine the fairy and this the, Icelandic town in the middle of nowhere, this little inlet. And then they're blocked off by a blizzard and an avalanche. So it's really, you know, it, people are stuck here 
And of course, the, the sheriff is formerly of Reykjavik, you know, the big city cop. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, so it's a really fascinating series. I think it was about 10 episodes, and yeah. it really had me hooked. So it's, I love watching that stuff with you because yeah. it's layer upon layer of storytelling and character. It's a puzzle. It is a puzzle. And it's not a game, but it's it's still engaging You're matching us. wits with the author or the creator, right? Yeah. So let's talk about some of our favorite games. And maybe people will, if they have played them before, they'll jump in and they'll say hi. Uh, it's kind of lonely today. I will tell you, we had about 10 people chatting us up yesterday. And I guess everybody's enjoying outside. And I don't blame them. I think Fridays are their best day for the podcast. Yes. Because people are sort of just, you know, it's the end of the week. Yes. And, they get to sort of and I will in. tell you, there, was, there were some tears last night when the podcast was accidentally deleted. Um, it was upsetting. It's because the first podcast we there was a little glitch, and then the second podcast we had to restart because the audio wasn't working. So it's like yesterday we got to the podcast and we're like, "Yay, no glitches!" And Missed then it by that much. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, those are the things that happen, and you just kind of need to suck it up and move on. I'm hoping that later on we can have guests on to actually have conversations with and And what kick kind stuff of guests around. would you want to have on? So one of the people I'm really interested in meeting is um I don't have a book here unfortunately. I, oh no, here it is. Uh Lee Sheldon. Okay. Uh, who wrote this book and he is a game designer, but he did the Agatha Christie mystery games. Oh, way that's back right. In the, okay. 2000s. And so Actually, and that's something that's been great for me is to look at, say, something like Evil Under the Sun. Which we watched again on Thursday night. Yeah, so I've seen two or three different versions of it now. And it's interesting to see how a game takes an actual existing mystery text and, you know, do they do the exact same killer? Do they, how do they play with it to make it challenging for somebody who knows the story right? and, that's, and that's something we got to deal with yeah absolutely and we have been talking about that i think we touched on it a couple of times in the previous episodes but you know there is a determined killer killers and I'll, we'll leave that vague but there's a determined outcome in the book and there's going to be a percentage of people who've read the book that decide that they also want to play the game because they want to see the visual of Shakespeare. But how do we make it interesting for people who already know who done it? Yeah. And so, so that'll be an interesting thing. When I was a kid, I wanted to adapt Murder on the Orange Express as I turned it into a computer game, even when I was young. And then I read the book and I was just, and if you know the secret behind the story it was like well i can't adapt that that's not fair have i watched it i don't know honestly okay do you, i mean i read the book it's great it 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 is that classic you know there's interviews of all of the different suspects and they're all trying to figure out sort of you know when I stuff have, happens i would say that i wasn't a particularly deeply literate child growing up like we didn't read a lot of Anything other than Sweet Valley High. That was sort of like oh, the stuff that we, we had in our household. It, I we, was a book we, reader. We weren't Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys people. That's not 
you know, People Magazine and National Enquirer was... But you've come so far. I've come so far. Let's focus on the positive. So, yes, yes. National Enquirer. I read a lot of National Enquirers. I could write some great stories about aliens. Oh, dear. Yes. Who who are some of your favorite writers right now, mystery writers, that you might want to call out to? I would love to say that y'all should read uh, some Philip Harris. He's a great speculative fiction writer. And I don't know if he's really dived into mystery just yet, but... Um, Some of the stuff is mysterious, right? It's, uh, uh, I would say it's more sci-fi-ish or like post-apocalyptic. And then one of my absolute favorites recently is S.G. Redling. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she's just, or S.S.D., S.G. S.G. Oh, I always SG. get that mixed up. So S.G. Redling, that's Sheila Redling, and she has some really great books. I particularly love, like, if you're looking for um, a compelling thriller, I would check out her Danny Britton series. That's D-A-N-I-B-R-I-T-T-O-N. And it's, like, it's really good. And when I read that for the first time, I was like, this has got to be a movie. So we've been talking, and I think that there might be a game coming out from her. We met her about your con, we too. We did, yeah. three years ago. So we're super excited to be seeing her again in person in a few months. Yeah. So there's some really great people out there who are writing great, compelling books. And and that was always the fun of like working through an Agatha Christie story is that she builds in these wonderful puzzles that you have to figure out. And that's what I love watching with you when we're, we're playing along at home, right? Right. Well, and let's, let's just circle back and let's talk about some of our favorite mystery games and some of the mechanics of those and how we'll be incorporating them. I'd be very curious to know, you can leave it in the comments, even if after you watch the video, we'll still reply to your comments, is, you know, what kind of, for those of you that are fans of the page, are you already playing games? What kind of games are you playing? Are you playing social games on Facebook? Like the, like Blair used to work for the people that made Farmville and, and a lot of those like clicky, clicky Sorry. kind of games. And well, hey, you know what? 30 million people played Farmville, and it brought them a lot of joy. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when it was at its height, I mean, Cityville, another game that Cityville I worked on. Cityville and know, Castleville. 20 Castleville million people great. a day. I mean, yeah, Castleville was such a sweet game. It was, and the music. I love the music. Yeah. So, you know, let us know the kinds of games that you're playing. We're really quite curious about that. And if you've played story-based games before or, or mystery games, we'd love to know what it is that you love so that we can make sure that we incorporate some of those mechanics yeah, yeah. into our game. So what was the games that we got into that we got playing together? So back in 96, when I first met you, I can't remember if we started playing games right away together or if it was like the following year, year so but I, I remember playing, you know, Tex Murphy games with you yeah. and Gabriel Knight games, the black Dahlia. We were sharing yesterday on yesterday's episode that it came in an, an eight CD pack from six, six, CDs. six, thank you, six CD pack from Electronic Boutique or GameStop, the equivalent of. And so we were playing this game really into it. It was great. It was one of the better story games for its time. And it's based on an actual case, too. Yes. So if you don't know the Black Dahlia, you know. It, it was like we're really into it. And then we go to put in disc five of six. And it's, it's destroyed to the point where the CD-ROM would not read it. It would not read. And there were no replacements of that game. So imagine watching a movie and then the, the, 
the for third reel dies. <laughs> and it's just like, it left such a bad taste for me. Yeah, it's too bad. You know, and they didn't have any replacement copies of it. And it was it was disappointing. I yeah. would have liked to have finished that game. It is very unsatisfactory. Uh, uns- unsatisfying. That's yeah. it. So, but I do love the Tex Murphy series. What do you like about the Tex Murphy series? I love the character that Chris Jones and his team have created. That Tex Murphy is this sardonic, sarcastic guy. And even when you like say say you're playing a game and you like hover over a coffee cup, you'd be like, hmm. I would drink the two-day-old stuff. Do you know, like, it's, his sarcasm is in... The wit is very strong. It's very well-written, and, I mean, that's... If we could even capture a bit of that magic, I mean, I would consider that a big win. That, I would... You know, when you set out to do this three years ago, because I was... I mean, One More Story Games and, and this this idea of Story Stylist, the game engine that you've architected and designed that this is your baby it's always been your baby i just consider myself like the evangelist to your vision and when you set out to do this our focus really was how can we make it easy for other people to make tex murphy like games or something like you that know, yeah. minus, or story games yeah you know, how can you tell stories online and um because we want writers to get paid i was seeing all the obscene amounts of money that was going through zynga and thinking well why can't a published writer get a piece of that exactly you know and if they had like their own word processor typewriter to be able to you know to create their stuff and then publish it online why not and and isn't that crazy so that's part of the reason and that's part of the reason why we're doing the whole video series and turning that into podcasts so that if you you don't want to look at our faces you can just listen to us but mostly we want to take people behind the scenes and show them the the care and thought that go into deconstructing a novel because for some of you you've already written a novel or a novella and it's or maybe you've got ideas for a novel and how do you deconstruct that? How do you assemble that? And, and how do you create a living, breathing world out of that? Yeah. So, so Tex Murphy, I, you know what? If somebody at the end of when we published this Shakespeare's Landlord game, if somebody said that it gave them the, the feeling that they were playing kind of like a Tex Murphy game, I would be, I think that to me would be like the highest compliment. Well, and even then, I mean, just to bring Charlene's work to life and, and, all of the authors we've worked with have all been very excited at the results. I mean, try playing Mandatory Upgrade or, or Daniel's Which is on Inferno. our website. Yeah. Both of those are on our website. Yeah. So that was, you know, this is, that's the goal. It's just to really have that, bring those worlds to life. Well, let's just touch on Mandatory Upgrade for a moment. So that was written by Chris Tihor, and it won Game of the Year last year in Toronto. And I will say from a mechanical perspective, it's the closest thing to what we're going to see for Charlene's game. Yeah, I think so. So you have your character. Something has happened. You are going to investigate and interact with objects, but also with people. Mm-hmm. And as you talk to people and have conversations with them, additional topics will be unlocked. So you might have a conversation. So say I'm the player and you're an in-game character. I'm having a conversation with you. My conversation with you might trigger a topic 
or it might even unlock something yep. that I can go and talk to another character about. So from a mechanical point of view, mandatory upgrade would be a great example of what you can expect from Charlene's game. And even then to bring the town of Shakespeare to light, because that's what um, Charlene describes is that it's this small town and word gets around. And to be able to create that, that kind of that knock-on effects of having asked a question or given information to a character that that then ripples throughout the town mm -hmm. to really bring that to life. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're in a small town of sorts, you know. Yeah, well, our, our small town is 147,000 people. So but it's smallish. It, it feels like a small town sometimes. Yeah. It's certainly not Toronto with its 3 million people in the GTA. So... Gabriel Knight. Uh, Gabriel Knight. I loved Gabriel Knight. That was written by Jane Jensen, mm -hmm. who coincidentally uh, worked on the first Charlene Harris game, oh, yeah, which right. was a hidden objects game with one of the characters from the Two Blood universe, or sorry, the Suki Stackhouse universe, and which most people know from As the True, True Blood. Blood. Yes. Right. But they're two very different things. And by the way, if you look on the timeline, you'll find this really interesting article that I posted a couple of days ago. Charlene was talking about how, you know, your written work is very different from what gets adapted in TV. And so True Blood's very different from the Suki Stackhouse universe. And I think fans are eagerly anticipating Midnight, Midnight Texas, which yeah, comes out. I am, very much so. Yeah. And I think that's July the 29th on NBC. So we'll we'll watch that streaming on our computer and we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. So we would love your insights and input. Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Well, I know you played a lot of the Nancy Drew games. Again, because we're looking at models of what makes a good mystery. How do you organize the information that you find when you're doing the mystery? You know, that's that's what we've had to design with with story worlds where you play the games that you create in Story Stylist. And the nice thing is, I mean, if you are new to playing story-based games, those are great games that you can find on Steam. And for, for those of you not familiar, Steam is an online platform where you can purchase games and play games. And we're kind of trying to be our own Steam. Like, eventually, that is our goal. So when, when you play this, the Lily Bard game, you'll need to come to our website and, and our apps to play those. But if you want to sort of give yourself a primer, I would highly recommend the Tex Murphy series and the Gabriel Knight series and the Nancy Drew games. Yeah. So. Um, other stuff that I really liked and I didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday were some of the interactive fiction games. Okay. That really, I mean, that, they're, okay, so Infocom. Right. So oh, well, original, obviously, yes. You know. Um, Zork was obviously their big game that they're well known for, but the fourth game that they released was a game called Deadline. And it, in a lot of ways, set the standard for mystery games moving forward. It mm. was amazing for the time. You had all of these different suspects. It was like you were stuck in the Clue Mansion just try to try to go around and figure stuff out. And the other thing that happened in there that was really interesting is that time passed. Right. So, so there's a will reading. I think at mm -hmm. twelve o'clock, and you, if you're, you want to be there for that to sort of see the reactions of of the characters, and again, it's this thing where if you present the right evidence to the right people, you create this knock-on effects, and 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 that is kind of these different choice paths that you have. 
Now, remind me, was there not just a game that came out earlier this year? Actually, it came out, I want to say it came out last year, and it it was kind of like the best-kept secret. Nobody knew about the game. It didn't get a lot of attention. Contradiction. And would you say that's more like an interactive murder movie? Yeah, I mean, the video, I mean, it's amazing what they did was amazing. It was a Kickstarter, I think, and they they worked within this little sleepy English village, and they filmed it over the course of, you know, a couple of weeks. Uh, and it's a great game if you haven't tried it. It's, it again, it gives you that feeling of Inspector Jenks going in to investigate this small town. And what I found interesting is that the director had the idea for Contradiction for the longest time. And it actually took him two years to build his engine to tell his story. Ah, so that's something you have in common with him then. A little bit, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, imagine if story stylists had been around then. Um, you know, because I think storytellers want to be able to tell interactive you know, make interactive games. It's it's fun. It's challenging. It's like being your own DM or game master, you know, to the world essentially, right? Yeah. Well, and I think what I really loved about hey, well, the story is hi, yay, more people. We love more people. Hello. And so what I love about that story is that this game had been out for a while, and then all of a sudden somebody was like people this is a brilliant game you need to go play it and then it took off like wildfire it did very well it did very well and and it's 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 fairly well done it's great i love the characters and you know so what's the name of the game again contradiction contradiction so if you want to try out a really cool mystery game check out contradiction and you know at the end of the day what we are working really hard to do is is to take Charlene's world and Charlene's words and make sure that we are totally. yeah and we really want we want each of you to play whether you've read the the book or you've read some of her other novels but we really want you to feel like you're at home in a Charlene universe yeah solving along with your friends and family right yeah so another game I just sort of want to draw attention to if you haven't tried Sherlock Holmes consulting detective uh, this is a game that actually was done in the 1980s right. as well, and this is a reprinting of it. Okay. But again, this was a lot of the style for our world story stylists, where you investigate this map or this city, and and moving around, you find these text clues that you read out, and so you as a family work around the table or friends. Uh, to solve this mystery. Mm-hmm. The only thing about those games is that once you know the solution, you're done. Whereas if you have a computer running things, it can tell you that, well, you figured part of it, but you missed some other stuff. Well, and then there's that replayability, right? Because once you know, the that's, I think, the failing of a lot of those board games is once you know the solution, that's it, it's over. Right. You've got to get this constant content going. Well, and that makes mandatory upgrade very different from the rest of our content because if you try to solve mandatory upgrade before you've unlocked all of the information that you need, then it will say, sorry, you're not ready to solve the mystery. And then at the very end, it'll be like, okay, well, who did it? How did they do it? And what was their motive? Yeah. And out of the six games that are on our website, so we did pull down one of our games. We pulled down Mulcaster Murder 
which was in a nutshell kind of our first game that we did yeah, yeah. first second it sort of was around that same time frame and it was a short 20 minute game that we had created with story stylus set in our hometown of barry and it was a it was a murder mystery and you know after having some thought to it it's like I don't feel comfortable having a, uh, the central character that was murdered was a homeless man and it ended up that another homeless person killed him. And when you think about that, that's not really a great social message. So no, I mean the cozy mystery is the, and I think that's why Agatha Christie's mysteries were so popular is because you take this English village mm -hmm. usually and there's this horrible event that turns everything upside down. And so it's you coming in to learn that social network, that social system, usually is Miss Marple or Poirot or whoever. I love Poirot. Yeah, you know, and that's, I think everybody could, when they were reading it back in the day, they could identify with that. Mm. Their English village could be, yeah. you know, the scene of a crime or... I will say, if you're not watching on Netflix, I love Midsummer, Midsummer Murders. and Murders. However, that is a very appropriate uh, drinking game because guaranteed there's like at least two to three bodies. And what I don't understand is these are small villages. These are small villages with serious murder issues. So... Anyways. Well, it's like Cabot Cove, right? It, I believe it was the murder capital of the America. So the, the per capita crime rate was lethal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I think I think that's it for this week's episode. Well, but I want to talk about one more mystery. One game more, okay. That was that was really great back in the day, and and it's not that well known, but it was called Perry Mason and the Mandarin Murder. Will, are you familiar with that game? Let us know if you are. Yeah, it's fine. Um, what was great about that one is that because it's Perry Mason, it actually has where you go to trial. Oh, okay. Which was really interesting for the time. I mean, this is 86 or so, 85, and it actually, you have to look at the jury, and then you present evidence, and if you do it in the right way, you influence the jury more oh yeah, you know? how interesting yeah and so i would love to build a system like that for story stylus i know that that's been on your list yeah, your wish list you know? for a couple years because i like i love mystery stories i mean legal dramas are just as compelling sure law and order yeah exactly right you know so like you you do the i love how it's like always the beginning uh, the first half is always the crime, and then the second half is the legal stuff. I think the formula got a little trite towards the yeah. end. You'd be it, like, oh, look, they're they're just about to capture Hand the off now. <laughs> uh, I do remember one funny moment when we were walking along to our apartment back in Vancouver, and there was a suitcase at the side of the road, and, and I was like, what if there's a body? And you said... Well, you know, if there was, it can't be, because otherwise, a minute ago, we would have heard that dun-dun. <laughs> so... Because well, that's always how it started, that's, right? If, that's, uh, how, that's how... Oh, honey, I'm... I'll just wander. I'll take a shortcut over here. Oh, a body! <laughs> Thanks that's for joining stage. us for this week's episode of the Developer's Chat. What are some of your favorite games? Post it in the comments. And... Uh, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we can do in Story Stylist that really brings mysteries to life. 
and and how we're bringing Charlene's game to life. Absolutely, because you know they're they're really interested in Charlene's game. No, no, that's true. But I mean, to sort of know ahead of time, just sort of what are the mechanics that we're we'll be using, and some of the stuff that we're figuring out as we design. So maybe we could talk about uh, entities, like the items and and locations, yeah. in a different way next week. Maybe some of the conversations and all yeah, that. yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, thanks very much for tuning in. And off to Wonder for, Woman. Yeah, off to Wonder Woman. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next Friday. Thanks, Cheers. Guys. Bye.